You ever been walking through the Navy Exchange and wonder why all the Naval Pride and Heritage gear is horrifically ugly and you wouldn't actually wear it? Have you ever wanted some really cool gear and you just don't know where to go? Well, I got you, fam. Go to dgutsapparel.com immediately. Get yourself some Naval Pride and Heritage gear you'll actually wear in public. Uh, we're working on new designs all the time, open to ideas. We're trying to create a brand that uh, lets you display that pride, but doesn't make you cringe. Uh, also, if you're willing to and you're able to, please go to patreon.com slash podcast. Pick one of the five tiers and become a patron today. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Don't Give Up Shit Podcast, DGUTS Thought Lab Podcast, whatever the hell I'm doing right now. I don't know. Um, I haven't thought of an intro yet, so it's just going to be a weird remix of... <laughs> <laughs> what I normally do, I guess. Um, this is uh, going to be the first of the ruminations. Um, it's funny that I'm doing this right now because I'm in a weird mood. I don't know why. Uh, I'm a little tired, but yeah, I, uh, I was just sitting here in silence kind of <laughs> trying to figure out what to do with my hands. Uh, and because I, I wanted to record, I have time, and um, I actually like got up at a good time and started. Like I went out and did my cold plunge thing, and did some other stuff, and uh, did some yoga for my joints and old bones. And uh, then I came in here to start working, and then I was just kind of like cleaning up my email, catching up on some stuff, and then uh, I was like, I should record, but I didn't really have a great plan. Um, but this ruminations thing, it's like, I really wanted to do this next. And, uh, it was pointed out to me when I put out the reel, um, just kind of announcing it that, uh, it, what I was describing might be too similar to spin the yarn format. And I think it's because of the topic I was going to choose. And I am going to record that as a spin the yarn now, um, the, how I've changed thing. So I was kind of sitting here just thinking like, well, like what, like I could just go searching for a topic and I will eventually in like my schooling, like the psychology stuff or just like some more, uh, like advanced or abstract leadership theory and stuff. But I also thought it'd be fun to confront like weird problems, uh, that there's a lot of stuff I talk about on the podcast that, uh, it's it's like a a subjective line that um, can move based on the context of the situation uh, and probably like the values of the person even or the people involved. Uh, and then you have to like do all that coloring inside the lines of like organizational policy and, and norms and everything. And so I was just thinking of scenarios like that and how you decide where that line is, I guess. Um, and so like some examples of that are like, uh, like I told a story once about a, a sailor I had that was having issues at home and he showed up to work, smelled like alcohol. Um, my LPO kind of intercepted him before anybody realized it and had him like in the storeroom and called me in there and let me know what's going on. And, um, and so I talked to the kid and just, you know, like I knew what was happening in his life. I knew he was a good kid. Um, 
I he hadn't actually done anything explicitly wrong in my analysis and that doesn't necessarily jive with the UCMJ like I'm you definitely could have went the route of uh of punishing him for violating some some uh policy um like showing up to work drunk or whatever which he wasn't drunk he was just he smelled like alcohol um I guess he wasn't sober. See, somewhere, somewhere in between there. But, like, he wasn't, like, sloppy or anything. He wasn't hammered. Um, he just had clearly been, like, been so probably, you know, six or eight hours prior. Um, and so I made a judgment call to not tell anybody. And it stopped at me. And I might have told my supply officer that something was going on and that I was handling it, but that it didn't need to go anywhere and we didn't need to talk to anybody. And that I just, I had it under control. Um, but it definitely didn't go outside of supply. Um, and there's, it's like, there's a question there of like, was that the right answer? It felt like the right answer. Um, but there's plenty of things that a person can do that like, feel good or moral or just that aren't right like some somebody um cutting you off in traffic you falling home and beating the shit out of them like that it's gonna feel justified probably um depending on you know like your your um your interpretation of right and wrong and and what actually happened and blah 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 but like Cause like, I, I mean, it's a very human reaction. I can tell you, I've definitely done that. I get extremely pissed off, especially when, when my wife's in the car or God forbid, like one of my nieces or nephews or something like it's not, it's less so of an issue with just me, even though that, that upsets me too. Um, but like when somebody does something dangerous in, in traffic, just cause they're being an idiot, like they're distracted or, um, just driving like an asshole or whatever, uh, it, you're endangering me number one. And the people around me, of course, because if there's, you know, it's not like accidents are just limited to the the first two cars necessarily. Um, but also like when my family's in the car, like that pisses me off even more. Like you're endangering my family like you deserve to get punched in the face. Now, there's a conversation to be had there. Like, like, do they really, you know, like maybe. Cause there's, and then you get to like go off on all these crazy tangents. Like maybe they're rushing to the hospital. Maybe um, they're late for work. And if they lose their job, they'll lose their house and they can't feed their family. Like there's all these things that you can, you, you like, you start to um, paint possible, possible like contexts in your head and it changes the, the math. Like it changes the analysis of whether it's justified or right or moral or whatever right and so like when i'm thinking about like the types of scenarios where um you have to kind of make those judgment calls uh like i mean there's a conversation to be had about my transparency with the chief season i think i'm right but there's plenty of people that don't and you know, like they, they're, I don't think they're wrong wholly. I, I understand why people have different interpretations of, of how it should be done and what you should or shouldn't talk about in public and all this other stuff. But I, I just don't agree with their conclusion that 
there's some value in like keeping things secret or continuing to do what whatever the status quo is and stuff like that. Um, and there's lots of situations like that where it's like um, I heard of a, 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 I had lunch with uh, my old LPO who made chief recently and he told me about a sailor that used to work for me that um, got in trouble. Uh, and, and I don't know the whole situation. Neither does he. He got an email really relayed to him like secondhand. So like the email was sent to somebody. It didn't even have everything in it, but like it was relayed to him and then to me. So it's like I, I'm sure we're missing some details here. But basically he got in trouble for um, it, like there was a confrontation and he got upset, but then ended up walking away which his chief told him to do like walk away and he did but then like i think he ended up in a head and he like broke a mirror he like punched it or something and they took him to mast (laughs) and i'm like i mean that sounds like he dealt with that maturely and then just like lost his cool for a second but like he didn't actually hurt anybody to my knowledge you know um again there could be more information but let's pretend there's not for the sake of the conversation um okay so there's a question there too like because my initial snap judgment is that like that's a bit harsh like i feel like that ended as about as well as it can i mean considering the high stress environment that we exist in and like people are gonna are gonna get um get angry sometimes or get stressed out or get super sad or whatever and something like that could happen and it's like really they're gonna like act like uh you should have been perfect and that you're not human and that emotions aren't a thing like and it like again like if he shoved his chief or or slapped somebody or pushed some what like i don't know like threw a heavy object at someone and maybe missed but then there's another conversation to be had about like well he didn't intend to miss so that's you know like an intent to intent to assault somebody blah 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 but like the the particulars don't really matter the idea is like where's the line in a lot of this and how does how does it move how does it how does it change depending on the context depending on the person's interpretation of the situation depending on the person's uh morality and like value system and and how much of that can either be like suppressed uh to allow like the primacy of the organizational norms and policies and stuff and how much of that are you not necessarily going to be willing to uh go against in favor of those organizational norms and policies it's like there was a lot of times during my career that i operated in a gray area um where I feel like I could have very easily defended what I did uh, and it wouldn't have ended up being like a, a investigation or anything. Um, I definitely steered pretty clear of violating the UCMJ and stuff like at least like egregiously or like uh, <laughs> uh, overtly. I, I don't know, like, but there's probably I'm sure at the same time you could make a case for. Uh, the fact that I did at some point. And again, I mean, like, 
Because, like, I and not necessarily even me, but, like, I didn't allow for it to progress to an investigation for one of my people, I guess. Um, it's probably a better... That that definitely happened a lot more than me actually doing it myself. Um, even though I'm sure I did, especially when I was a junior sailor. Like, God, I've, I've talked on the podcast pretty candidly about um, driving drunk several times in my life. Um, just because I'm a moron. I was young and dumb and partying and, you know just was a just was an idiot i don't i like i don't have there's no there's no like follow-on explanation i was just a moron uh and i i watched some people some other people screw up and quickly figured out that oh i'm being a moron and i shouldn't be doing this and so i didn't i stopped um but how like how does one know what hill to die on i guess or or to choose self-preservation instead of dying on that hill you know what i mean like i like it's a very interesting problem set because it's never the same yeah like each time you can you are confronted with a situation where there's uh like a conflict in you about what's right and what's uh correct or like in accordance with they're not always the same and i like i know they're i i don't know like i feel like a lot of people think that they are the same or they should be the same and those are two very different things like um i definitely don't think they always are the same because there's enough room for interpretation in organizational norms and policies no matter what we're talking about whether it's a military or not um that it depends on who's in the position of leadership and how they decide to enforce them um i recently heard somebody talking this was completely unrelated to the military it was like a politics conversation and and they were talking about how like these big donors figured out that uh they didn't actually need to change laws by lobbying and pouring their money into like whatever they did lobbyists and fucking whatever politics i you know i'm I'm not a politician and i'm sure shit not an expert in politics but um like however they use money to influence it via lobbyists or like donating to campaigns or whatever um they figured out they didn't actually need to change the laws they just needed to needed to be able to affect how they're enforced right so they uh they would like work on putting people in the positions that they wanted that would enforce the laws that they wanted them to how they wanted them to, I guess. Um, and it's very much, there's very much an overlay there of like the policies that we see are not ever applied the same way, you know? Like not, I mean like, like if you go from command to command, you can't, it's not like you can have, an expectation that like there's a flow chart for each each policy that if you violate it then you go to the next step and this happens and it's always the same because that's just not how the application of policy happens it's very dependent on the the person that's in the position of doing the enforcement or the people that are in the in those positions um how it's going to be applied right and, and the the ceos have a lot of discretion on if they even do it, you know, like you could punch somebody in the face on your ship and the CEO could just decide 
you know, like, okay, sit them down, talk it out, move on with life. Like, that's a thing that can happen. Um, it shouldn't, but like, like you should at least do the investigation and have the paperwork and, and like the, like have the administrative uh, loop closed on like, yeah, we did an investigation. Here's what we found. And, and then the CEO adjudicated it in this way. And if the CEO decided to dismiss it at mast or to dismiss it, at, or, you know, like whatever they decided, there should be an accounting of that. Like there should be a record, but because um, now then nobody can say like, oh, you didn't do anything. But there's a lot of leeway there for the people that are in the positions to decide how those things are applied. So it like to me, to me, and this is my opinion, uh, and this is kind of how I approached it. It's not necessarily advice. Um, I looked at it like, well, if they have leeway, so do I. Um, and I was willing to live with the consequences too. Like I, I've talked pretty openly about, I thought I was going to retire a chief for sure. Um, just with my mouth, like my willingness to, to say things out loud that people didn't like, uh, to argue, to advocate, um, and to like when necessary color outside the lines a little bit to take care of my people in in the way that I felt was right right which did uh, did not always jive with organizational norms or policies so um yeah I mean it's interest it's an interesting case study to kind of sit there and look back because like me and Paul Kingsbury had a conversation about uh I think it was a standards conversation but he told a story about um, how something happened. It was going to delay. It was underway limiting. Like a piece of gear had was damaged. The ship wouldn't be able to get underway on time if it wasn't fixed. And so he, as the division chief, like made a decision to go fix it quickly. And they didn't hang tags. And so he just like, you know, stationed a, a breaker watch basically. And then they went in, did it real quick, and then called it a day. Um, because all the administration related to the safety and work controls and all that would have taken way longer. So they just went and did it and said, all right, it's fixed. <laughs> um, and it like, there's a, there's a time where something like that, uh, could be the right move for sure. Um, like you're fighting hurt, right? Like, let's say, you know, like, um, something happens and and you know like we're in a kinetic conflict with someone and the and the ship is damaged and we need to get this piece of gear back online to fight the ship it's like yeah we're not gonna like open a waff you know what i mean like we're not gonna be hanging danger tags uh we're gonna do what we have to do to get the thing fixed but that's like a risk incurred by the co um not by the people on on the ground level unless it is you know like because again you're not always going to have access to that person, but there the situations where you would go outside the lines in that scenario are very limited. And, and Paul talked about that. Like he probably he, like he's like, I know I shouldn't have done that, but I did. And I decided to take that risk. And looking back, I probably wouldn't do it again. I think I think that's what he said. Uh, I have to go back and listen to the podcast. But like he he recognized that he was outside the lines, like for sure, objectively violating policy. Um, and I think that conversation was had after the fact, too, if I recall correctly. But it's like it. 
that could have went really badly. Like if if somebody had their hands in that piece of gear and and the breaker got flipped back on because maybe the human tag walked away or maybe like uh, you know like something else ha- I don't know maybe they didn't isolate everything or whatever. Um, somebody could have gotten shocked or or even just killed um, by either you know the mechanical and or electrical. Uh, operation of the piece of gear or board or whatever we're talking about um yeah i i so it's like he made that judgment call and i feel like that one airs more on the side of like like retro like retroactively you can look back and just be like or retrospectively uh you can look back and be like yeah you probably shouldn't have done that <laughs> but like there's a situation where uh, like if the situation had been different and instead of it just being underway limiting, it was like, we need to get this thing back up so we can shoot back or whatever. Uh, then, yeah, I mean, OK, we're then it's not even a question that it's the right move. And it, I would I would argue it's not even a question that it's the right move, even if that decision was made at the chief level only and nobody else was notified. It's like there are situations where you're going to have to make those types of calls and you don't have time to ask for permission, Um, but they're rare, you know, and so it's like it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting analysis. And it's something I was thinking about uh, as I was sitting here, like pondering what I should do for this, this first one. Um, And I don't you know, like, I don't know if I'm hitting the nail on the head with how I want to do this. but I don't know. I'll, I'll keep refining the process as I go, I'm sure. Um, I definitely want to do some more abstract psychology and leadership theory stuff. But this thing, like, I, I don't know. I was, I was sitting here thinking, like, because like, it can be so different based on the person making the, de- making the decision, like making the judgment. Um. And I guess that's why I like teaching ethics and and stuff is so important. Um, and that's why I like the leadership development education that I champion is like I feel like the, these are the these are the scenarios where they would sh- where it shines through, like where the need and value of it shines through is like there's so many unpredictable. Um, scenarios that like you can't really plan for in any other way but to like teach you the the value system and uh like techniques and theories and whatever so that when the time comes you have the cons like you have the right guardrails and and like pieces of the puzzle to to put together in the way that that makes sense and that is is done from a position of understanding the organizational norms, right and wrong, um, the like what's important for the mission, what's important for the ship, what's important for the people, what's important for um, yourself, I guess, you know, like there's there's all these things. But if you if you educate someone, um, and give them like the raw materials and the techniques for for using those raw materials and and constructing something it's like when they're presented with these problems they have everything they need to navigate them and make a sound judgment call and then on the other side of it you can you can 
like unpack that and figure out if it was right or wrong or what we could have done better or, and take those lessons learned forward and be better next time. But like, it's like they're, you're gonna be confronted with these situations of like, like, yeah, I know what like the on paper answer is and it could be also the right answer, but it might not be. Or, or somewhere in between, right? And it's like you, you have to kind of figure out how to navigate those things because like the inescapable reality is that no matter what anyone thinks of you, no matter how that translates into evals and awards and career progression and all the other shit that people seem to value so uh, so highly in the moment, but then the, the like the inescapable reality is all that shit fades away. Um, and at the end, speaking from a guy that's, you know, beyond the, the horizon of a military career, it's like you have to live with yourself afterwards. Um, you have to be able to cope with the decisions that you made and um, feel good about that you did the best you could because you're going to you're going to make mistakes because, of course, you are. But like, how did you deal with the mistakes? Um, and when given the opportunity to do the right thing, did you at least try? Right. And hopefully succeed more often than not. You know, like it's it's something that um, I don't know why I had an awareness of that. And, or maybe I didn't have an awareness of it. It was like, it was more um, just kind of how my parents raised me and, and the context I grew up in. And I'm sure some of it's just, I don't know, like inherited, uh, what do they call that? Um, I just heard somebody talking about it. It's like a, it's like passing down, um, and like some type of genetic programming to like be or do or react a certain way to a certain thing. Um, I forget what they call it, but it's like they suspect that, and there might be science behind it. I have no idea, but like the, they suspect at least that uh, you can be like, kind of like the reason you, people are afraid of spiders. It's like, cause they can kill you. So it's like, if you, it, like, if it's the right one, I guess. Um, and it's like, I, I, spiders, I've never had a spider do anything mean to me, you know? So like, why am I afraid of this tiny little thing that I can squish with my foot? Because some of them bite you and it'll, it'll at least ruin your day, if not kill you in the right situation. Right. So it's like, I, I don't know. Like, I think, um, there's just certain things that I did based on this internal moral compass that I got from somewhere. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I I attribute it to my parents because it's like, I mean, I know that's part of it, but I just like, I don't know what else to point at, I guess. Um, and what's interesting about it is I feel like my bro- I have three brothers, um, and all of them are very similar in that way of like, there's just this internal dialogue slash moral compass that I feel like we trust more often than not 
and it seems to work pretty well. <laughs> I don't know, like, and uh, I would say it's like it was pretty easy to align that with the organizational norms of the military. Uh, I think that's a big reason why I was why I gravitated to the military. I know I've, I've said I've like I was like a post 9-11 enlistee, but I was already uh, like attracted to the military um, at the age of like, I mean, probably even younger, but I really started to consider it at like, I think I was 15. 16 probably actually because my older brother joined uh when he was like 18 so i would have been like 16 or 17 because i'm only like a year and change younger than him i think or two years maybe i don't know math um and i was at his boot camp graduation so he was also in the navy he was on the theodore roosevelt for a bit uh during he did all the enduring freedom stuff and uh, Iraqi freedom as well, uh, and then got out. But uh, yeah, I went to his boot camp graduation, and I was like intoxicated just watching all of the military pomp and circumstance of a boot camp graduation. I was just like, "Oh, this is for me." <laughs> but then I kind of got away from it again. I, I was obsessed with culinary arts at the time. I wanted to. Uh, I thought I, I was thinking about continuing to pursue that, but then I went to college for graphic design because I was into like graphic design, web design um, back then, and I thought that's what I wanted to do. And then got disillusioned with college, and then 9 11 happened. But it was like I was attracted to the military even before that, which makes me believe that, like, the, the, the way that we're wired for whatever reason, meaning like me and my brothers, uh, it attracted us in that direction for that reason, I guess. At least me. I mean, it was just me and uh, this this other brother are the only ones. Like two out of two out of four joined the military, and then my dad was in the navy as well. So was my grandpa on my dad's side. So there you go. Lots of generational military stuff. Um, so were a bunch of my uncles. They were in the Marine Corps. Um, I was just texting with my uncle Gary the other day uh, on Veterans Day, but. Um, he was a Vietnam Marine and uh, dope human. Um, yeah, it's whatever that is, like whatever the moral, the internal moral compass is, uh, seems to jive with the value system of the military, at least on paper, again, because it gets applied in wildly varying ways, depending on the leadership that's in, is charged with applying it. But um but it, it also diverges um, not just from like the situational application of it where like there's a leader in charge that's above me that is like implementing a command culture and decides to apply a policy or norm in a way that I don't agree with but also in like just literally like there are things on paper that I sometimes don't agree with um, I joke that <laughs> I joke that my tombstone is going to say it depends because it's like I almost I, there's not a lot of things that uh, I talk about that I'm like hardcore like a black and white 
like there is no in between like it, <laughs> it's always gray for me uh pretty much i mean there i'm sure there's again there's always a scenario that you could find that i would be like nope never okay you know like uh, there's just not a scenario you could create where i would ever be on board with this thing um but most of the time uh, I find myself going, well, it depends on like this and the context and the blah, blah, blah. where like sometimes I might say, yeah, drop an anvil on their head. Other times I'm going to say, well, you know, like the intent wasn't there. and blah. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, I'm very um, I don't believe in applying like rigid structures to incredibly complex and wildly varying human beings like it's just like it's not the right tool for the job and it's like almost you're you're never you can create constructs or guardrails or whatever but there's got to be some ability and this is a double-edged sword is there's got to be some ability for people to make judgment calls based on the context and the particular details of the situation but we also like to, to try to mitigate against the risk of somebody unevenly applying those principles in a harmful way. Uh, you need to educate them on like like the things that will guide them in making those decisions when they have that wiggle room. And it's because like the, the guardrails for that, the construct for that is you educating them on what's right and wrong. You uh, teaching them about integrity and character and, and um, what's important, like making a, a, a cultural identity in the military and very routinely uh, explaining what it is and why it's important and why you should care because I because I and we care and and like this is what we're about this is what we do and and just continually reinforcing that and and building on the importance of and just the robustness of like this cultural identity we have um, and and that this is how we do things so that when they're presented with that they have this like um, this strong cultural like set of cultural norms and and this identity so they understand what right looks like even when they're left to their own devices within this um this wiggle room that they have to apply the policy or to apply the norm or whatever to enforce the norms it's like you you need to teach them what right looks like and i think that's what you see when you get all this angst from junior sailors about like how chiefs interact with them or how leadership interacts with them or treats them or uh just how a lot of the things happen that that piss people off in the military it's like almost all of it is just tied to a lack of understanding of because arguably because it, there's no robust cultural identity and norms and values created and, and then explained and reinforced over and over again to a point where you see buy-in and belief and just universal understanding, um, which I feel like you see more of in like the Marine Corps, which is why I always kind of point to them at like the one thing they do right is like those fucking man marines know who they are and what they do and what they're about and even the most bitter jaded marine that gets out uh right after their first enlistment and can't wait to get their dd214 blanket and shit um they are still like 
until their dying day, they're still proud of being a Marine. And you don't see that as much with the other branches of the military. You just don't like for better or worse. And I'm not like I'm not saying like how they do it is all right or wrong or indifferent. I I don't even know largely how they accomplish it, Um, but they they are accomplishing it. And uh, I I wish we had that. Um, I wish there was like an organizational identity, a cultural identity that uh, was just this universal uh, thing that we were passionate about and that was just like programmed into our DNA. I I don't think we accomplished that. I think you, over time, um, based on the, the shared adversity and the, the, like just the things that we do over time, you, you're going to develop this, like bond and and closeness uh not just with the people that you're doing it with but with the organization in a way um that's like umbra it'll forever be a part of you but like my brother he's been out of the navy for fucking long time uh i want to say he got out and like he would have been in from like 99 or 2000 so he probably got out in like 2004 um so yeah i mean he's been out for a hot minute and if he didn't tell you you'd never know he was in the navy like there's not a bunch of shit all over his house stickers on his truck like he doesn't talk about it much um he's forgotten a ton of stuff like we were joking around and i would say things and be like what's that and i'm like how do you not know what that is but like he's been out he's been out for a long time and he wasn't in as long as me either so it's not you know like i have still to this day bet spent more time in the military than out of the military uh, i still got like another year or two before that flips but um yeah i, I you just don't see the the same uh like entrenchment in that like identity that like this is a part of me and that like even after retirement or separation like i still belong to this it's not always the case i would argue most of the time uh sailors when they separate and even some that retire just run for the hills and don't want to they don't even want to think about it they don't want to do it they don't want to play they don't want to (laughs) like be associated with it they just want to go as far and as hard in the other direction as they possibly can um and that's unfortunate because one like that you get into the discussion of like um every veteran is an ambassador for their whatever branch of service and career field and community and everything that they were in um and you would like for them to be saying nice things so that when they're saying those things which they very commonly are to uh, the next recruitable generation that they're saying things that will encourage that person to give the military a chance instead of telling them, don't do it. It's not worth it. Um, even I'm like conflicted <laughs> about when, like when people ask me, should I join the military? It's like, Phew. I mean, <laughs> it depends. <laughs> um, Cause it's I like I talk to guys at jujitsu all the time that are still in and they're kind of on the fence. Like a lot of them are like four or eight year kind of inflection points of of 
am I going to stay in or get out and do a career or not and all that kind of stuff. And, um, I tell them, I'm just like, especially the people that are beyond the, the, um, traditional like pension retirement system. I'm just like, just run for the Hills, man. You got all these insane benefits. It's like, they're, it's like, they're trying to get you to, to separate early, you know, like, especially with blended retirement, if you joined and that was the, like that, that was the system. It's like, what incentive do you have to stay in, you know, like beyond like your first shore duty, um, unless that you're, unless you love it and those people exist, but it, not enough of them to like populate the entire military. Um, and yeah, I, I, you, there's no incentive, like they're tr- almost with, with like the post nine 11 GI bill and the potential for VA benefits and, uh, the blended retirement system, uh, it's like, why would you not just like leverage tuition assistance and all the other stuff on a, on one shore duty and then run for the Hills? You know, like uh, you, I don't know why anybody stays in beyond like eight or nine years now. Um, and again, unless that you're passionate about it and you love it, like, um, what kept me in past 10 was I loved training chiefs. That was really the deciding factor for me. Um, there's a bunch of other like tertiary reasons, but the primary driver was I ran the chief season right before I was going to separate. And I like, I was addicted immediately to, it was the leadership development stuff like that. You can tell, I kind of love it. Like I'm still doing it. I'm trying to, um, yeah, I, uh, I'm starting to feel a little rambly, so I think I'm going to wrap this thing up, um, <laughs> which I mean, it's kind of going to be the nature of these things. Um, this this prop, this felt a little more spin spinning the yarny than I wanted it to. Um, but I do want to like it, it, the idea really is just to try to find a, a topic that I it's like I don't feel like I have the answer for it. And this is one of those things where it's like the only answer I can come up with is like leadership development and education, (laughs) like the ambiguous, like if we develop them and give them all the skills they need and develop a really robust culture that reinforces who we are and what we do and, and the values that we hold dear and um, are like, and, and make that like our cultural identity and just continually like to the point of ridiculousness are reinforcing it and communicating it and publicizing it and all the things, right. Um, that's, that's how you create leaders that can navigate those scenarios productively and are going to come out on the the right side of it far more often than not um, with with lessons learned. Right. Always, because it's never going to be like a flawless victory. Not never, but like almost never. <laughs> like there's always going to be something you could have done better or maybe you should have done differently or whatever. And you're going to learn from learn and grow from those experiences. But I think it, as long as you're it's a net gain, you know, like it, it's going to be a net gain by us installing those uh not just the education needed the like the understanding and and concepts and tools or whatever you want to call it but also like them understanding like i have all these tools and i have all these understandings of concepts and and 
principles and theories and whatever leadership development wise and like just how to deal with normal people and, and human relationships, but also uh, they're going to know like the boundary, like this is the sandbox that I play inside and what it, what that boundary is, is all the things that we've built, we've, we've built our cultural identity around, right? It's like this, that's what it is. So, you know, like, this is what we do here. This is who we are and what we do. So when you're confronted with a situation where, yeah, it's probably, probably informed by a policy, like everything is right. Um, or at least a norm, but then you're going to know based on our identity and our mission statement and our ethos or whatever, our creed or whatever we're calling it, you know, like, what direction to go in and yeah maybe you trip a few times in in heading that direction and arriving at the destination but you'll always know what direction you're headed because you can just look at this roadmap they gave you this cultural identity roadmap um and you can you can be headed headed in the right direction even though there might be pitfalls or there might be think obstacles or whatever um you always kind of know what right looks like generally and can head in that direction. And I think it's always a net gain if you're doing that, you know, like even if you eat shit, if you were headed in the right direction and something just went wrong, it's like, I can fix that. But I understand your intent was pure. And that makes a big difference in how we deal with pretty much everything. Um, intent is a big de- is is a is like a very, very big, important part of uh, deciding how to adjudicate a situation, especially if it like it doesn't happen the way it was supposed to because, oops, we made a mistake along the way, but at least we were going the right direction. The intent was good. Heart was in the right place, whatever you want to call it. And uh, that, But that's the closest thing I think you can come to, a, the closest solution, thing to a solution. Uh, <laughs> God, words. The closest thing to a solution or something resembling a solution that I could arrive at because it's it's subjective and it's wildly varying. Every situation is different in some in some way, uh, even if it presents as a, like a, a carbon copy of some other thing that you've seen before. Like there's always small details that are going to vary, um, even if it's just the person and the personality and that you're dealing with. Um, and then you're going to be different than the last time you dealt with this and have different understandings and experiences and. So it's like it's always a little different, even if it looks the same. And so it's it's not there's not like a I can flip to page 47 of the rule book and and uh, apply that that uh, solution or process to every single time I have a a sailor that drove drunk or every single time I have uh, somebody that blazed off maintenance or whatever. Um, It's and it's something that I think the 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 wildly important part of this um is that i think this concept is a enormous part of the connective tissue between like leadership and uh junior sailors and even just seniors like just the relationship between seniors subordinates and peers holistically i think this is the meat of the connective tissue that uh is creating the majority of the problems that we see like the majority of the uh divide that exists between juniors and seniors 
uh, and just really everyone, <laughs> like every relationship has a uh, some conflict in it f- within the military for sure. But um, I think this is th- like when you're when sailors are expressing their disdain for the military, for the leadership, for chief specifically, for officer specifically, for whatever, for a particular rate, whatever you want to call it, uh, whatever, whatever you want to point out as the villain. Um, what they're really articulating is their displeasure with the way in which uh, the organization handles these subjective situations that vary so wildly because a lot of times you see people err on the side of like being harsh or um like throwing the book at them or whatever or have they have rigid interpretations of well you did it so all that's all that other stuff doesn't matter you drove drunk so like the fact that you were fleeing the sea of a scene of an assault doesn't matter you drove drunk so you're getting masked for driving drunk and it's like no like that's wildly different from somebody just getting hammered and driving home because they're irresponsible and made a really bad decision and had no plan and blah 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 so it's like you know but there's people that will passionately argue that no it doesn't matter it doesn't matter that somebody was assaulting you and you did not plan on driving but you were fleeing what you know you're drinking at home and somebody broke into your house and you fled the scene to, you know, preserve life and limb. And you just but you were drinking. And so you then you had to drive a car to flee efficiently. And and we're just going to discount all, all the context and just be like, but you drove drunk. It's like, no, like, that's not real, man. That's not the same thing. It's not the, like me walking up and cold cocking my chief because I don't like him is wildly different than, uh, you know, like a sailor defending themselves and and winning the fight against somebody that attacked them on the ship. Um, You know, and I've seen scenarios like that where like somebody didn't want to fight and I've seen them like happen where somebody just wants to drop an anvil on their head anyway. And then I've dealt with them myself um, where I had a kid that, I mean, I had 20 witnesses saying like he did everything he could to not fight this kid and the kid wouldn't let it go. And to the point of where he was like grabbing, he grabbed his hat, he snatched his chain or whatever and did all. And the kid still was trying to walk away and that kid just kept following him and then he shoved him. And then once that it was, he defeated, I think he even let the kid swing on him first too. And then he just beat the crap out of him. And so it's like, I mean, you're at that DRB and I'm just like, uh, all right. Like, and I had witness statements and people come in and talk to us and all this stuff. So it's like pretty confident that that's the version of the story that was real. Um, and yeah, so it's like, we treated that differently. We dismissed it at DRB. And I mean, I had to send the paperwork up to get, you know, them to co-sign, but like, yeah, I was like, nah, I'm not recommending this kid go to mast. Like, um, Anyway, I think the, the the big takeaway, I think, is the connective tissue between interactions, like the, the connective tissue that is in between the interactions between leaders, juniors, peers, whatever, isn't like it's it's being done in this very like incompetent manner. And as a result, 
there's a lot of displeasure with those interactions. People feel like they're being treated unfairly, like we like leadership doesn't care about them, like the organization doesn't care about them. Um, and there, it's a very valid interpretation um, based on what's happening. Uh, it's a very they had their feelings are are extremely logical and valid in in being the one on the receiving end of that. And if the leadership that's doing it was on the receiving end of that, they'd feel the exact same way. Um, so it's you know it's time to take a good hard look in the mirror and figure out like okay, well what are we gonna do about this? Um, so yeah. Uh, hopefully this was fun and informative. Uh, I know my mood is a little bit like off, I feel like. Um, but again, I'm just a little tired and, uh, I'm in kind of an odd mood today, but it is what it is. Uh, if you have suggestions for that, cause like the ruminations thing, I, I would very much like to, it's going to be a more of a thought lab thing anyway. I'm sure the format will switch up a little bit um, as I kind of figure out exactly what I'm like, exactly what the bullseye is here as far as intent. And uh, I'm definitely open to feedback on on how anyone would like me to kind of go through doing this um, and propose ideas for sure. Like if there's something you want me to kind of tease apart and work through, uh, I would very much be open to suggestions. Um, if you need anything from us, hit us up. Don't give up shit podcast at gmail.com. You can Facebook message us. Don't give up shit podcast. You can DM us on Instagram, Reddit, or Discord at Digas Podcast. If you want to support us, you can go to digaspodcast.com. There's a donate button in the upper right hand corner of the website. It's probably not even, I'm probably pointing at the wrong side of the screen when I do this. But in my camera uh, preview thing, it's the right, it's the right corner. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> upper right hand corner of the website. It might be in this corner. I don't know. Uh, and then you can go to Don't Give Up the Ship Apparel. It's digusapparel.com. Get yourself some naval pride and heritage gear you'll actually wear in public. Uh, or you can go to patreon.com slash podcast. Pick one of the five tiers and become a patron today. All of the things help us pay the bills and expand the platform. And we really, really appreciate it. He even bought me this sweet desk chair that I'm sitting in because my other one broke. Uh, so it was nice to not have to come out of pocket for that. And I really, really appreciate like everyone's support in that way. It's it just blows my mind that people are willing to support me financially as I as I do this. Um, and then uh, if you can't afford to spend any any dollars, I totally understand. Uh, you can like, share, subscribe and review on all the platforms for all the things. Um, subscribe on YouTube, share the videos, share the podcast. We're on TikTok now. Uh, I don't think I've added it to the like social media thing yet. I really need to. But it's at dguts.podcast because I it's a long story, but I, I'm working on reclaiming just at dguts podcast. I made an account a while back to view some stuff and then I just never used it. And it did something where like. I don't know, like archived it or something. So it won't let me register that username now. But Ariana was kind enough to launch uh, a TikTok because I was afraid to put it on my phone. And then I finally was just like, I just need to do this because it's where sailors are. <laughs> like, it's where most junior sailors are. So I just need to fucking get on TikTok. So I, I'm on there a lot now, uh, posting the, like a lot of the same things you see me posting as reels. And then eventually I might do more once the following there grows. But yeah, you can go to at dguts.podcast on TikTok and we're there too. Um, 
but yeah check us out on all those things and just share us follow us like us whatever whatever you want to do like whatever's easiest for you tag your friends in the podcast send them the link whatever uh, it's all it's all awesome it all helps a little like it all leverages algorithms and whatever indicates to the world that we have a following and it's a worthwhile listen and stuff like that so all of it matters and and we really really appreciate anything that you're willing to do to support us um and that's it that's what i got for you today thank you so much for listening and don't give up the ship 